Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CXCast. This is Sam Stern, joined with my co-host, Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we have back our uh, now our favorite guest, because he's here like every <laughs> other episode, TJ Kitt. Hi, TJ. Hello, Sam. Since we're revisiting things with TJ, we're revisiting a topic that we've touched on with TJ before, all the way back in episode 82 of CXCast about customer success programs. But this is such a emerging discipline, fast moving, more and more companies starting these types of programs that in the intervening 18 months feels like a lot of new stuff around customer success programs has happened. TJ, you've continued researching and writing about this topic. So we want to have you back and listeners answer the question for you of what's new and emerging and sort of state of the art in customer success programs that you can factor into how you would build your version of this type of program. So TJ, that's a huge question. Let me uh, break it down a little uh, more specifically. When you revisited this topic and this, this piece of research that we're sort of alluding to here, what were you looking to answer in terms of what's changed for customer success programs? Well, I mean, the big question that we wanted to answer was how do you formalize a program that is meant to help you take advantage of the benefits of this discipline. So what are the steps that a company that is well down the path and you know having good success with customer success management doing in order to realize the program's benefits in their organization? That's a good point because you're sort of in essence saying as we see more companies having a longer track record with this type of program, theoretically they're learning lessons and iterating as they go and getting closer to maybe an idealized version of this type of program. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. I would, I would also kind of add to it that, you know, because this is an emerging area, whatever the current idealized um, organization <laughs> is will most likely change as you add in other companies that come from different industries. I think that's one of the key points to drive home is that while this may be something that came out of B2B tech sales, um, in particular companies that were moving toward subscription models, I think the kind of the big thing to recognize is that, you know, this is something that's applicable to any company that requires its existing customers to grow. The discipline is aimed toward helping customers realize the value that they were promised in the pre-sale period. And as such, you're helping them see that there was potential value in renewing the relationship as well as perhaps enriching the relationship. That's something that a broader range of companies can take advantage of than just those that are focused on SaaS sales or infrastructure as a service sales or platform as a service sales. So you don't have to be involved in a as a service sales model to benefit from customer success is, is what you're saying. Correct. Mm -hmm. But you likely are. <laughs> <Is that? laughs> I and guess yet, I'm curious looking yet. at this because it does seem to have an emphasis on B2B. And I imagine right. because that is the most clear use case and where we've seen these types of programs established today, primarily. Is that true? It's also just an artifact of who is willing to talk to mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. So if you travel around these... Um, you know, these industry events related to customer success, you'll find retailers, you'll find financial services, you'll find healthcare. And those businesses aren't necessarily in a subscription you know, industry. They have some you know notions of recurrence with their customers. So there's a recurring relationship, but there isn't necessarily one predicated on a subscriber-oriented revenue model. Okay, good to know. I mean, good pushback there then. If it can be retail, financial services, and healthcare, then suddenly we're talking about a huge percentage of the economy and huge uh, percentage of large brands and businesses. So perk up, listeners. Here we <laughs> go. So you, in this report, um, you cover five steps, five things that uh, companies should do to build a 
good customer success program. Where did these come from? Is this from studying what's working within successful programs or how do you come to these five things that the companies need to focus on? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a combination of looking at what companies are doing, but also really kind of thinking through what you would need to do in order to successfully execute the responsibilities that we assign to a customer success management organization. So you're kind of recognizing that there is a lot of white space in this discipline. We did take advantage of the opportunity of trying to explain what we think is important, as well as reporting on what people are doing as what they see as being important. When you mentioned specifically the responsibilities Mm -hmm. of this organization, what are they exactly? (laughs) How do we have those defined? Is that in this report or should uh, listeners go back to episode 82? So every report that we've written in customer success success management, we have reiterated what we think the roles are for a customer success manager. Those are threefold. Um, First, there is this notion of a relationship manager, which we define as someone who acts as a single point of contact, the face of the business to um, the the, the client organization. But also they behave as a a coach and advisor helping Mm -hmm. the client um, realize the value that they were seeking in the pre-sale period. Um, the second role that we describe is that of solution manager. So this is someone that helps the client organization turn the product they bought into a solution to their business problems. And that can include success planning, which is kind of laying out the responsibilities for both the vendor and the client on you know how they're going to achieve this goal. And then acting as the coordinating function within the vendor organization to rally the troops when necessary to solve problems. And then finally, engagement management, which is ensuring that the customer is interacting with the business at levels that are kind of commensurate to um, things like renewal and enrichment. When you define that, I see a few overlapping priorities from some traditional roles in the organization. So Mm -hmm. there's customer experience. What is the relationship? How are we engaging with them? Is it positive? There's also, of course, an element of sales, Mm -hmm. right? What are the accounts that we have and how are we deepening these accounts? So when we begin to think about the success of a customer success management program, how do you parse that out? And I think the first thing that you identify is to focus on the business metrics. So what are the business metrics that then matter to this program? I mean, what really matters are the business metrics that matter to your executives, ultimately. The way that I've often thought about customer success management is that it is the function in the business that tries to draw the most direct line between a good customer experience and the business's ultimate success because the origin of of the role was in this idea of fighting customer churn. So there are a range of things that companies look at in association with customer success management at a high level. They look at um, net retention, which is the ability of the business to hold on to customer spending. They look at things like renewals, They look at things like enrichment. They look at things like references. They look at things like customer satisfaction scores, net promoter scores, things of that nature that, you know, have often risen to the attention of senior level executives in the organization because they, again, are responsible for drawing those connections between successfully executing on the intended experience and ultimately the business's success. So in this balance between sales and CX, sounds like you start with what are the traditional CX metrics that matter Mm -hmm. and which of these are going to map to and drive the sales and business metrics. Right. 
But I think if you're trying to draw a distinction, say, between customer success and sales, the distinction is one in which the roles are complementary. A customer success manager ideally is not a quota carrier. They're not tied to trying to figure out how to sell you something different or something new. Their responsibility is solely ensuring that what it is that I sold you is going to lead to you wanting to strengthen the relationship over time. Um, it's the salesperson's responsibility to then turn that into account growth. Right. That's a great distinction. So TJ, is there an example or examples of companies that are doing this at a level that really stands out to you? That's like, that is what defines best practice customer success organization. There are ones that people generally point to. So Salesforce, for example, um, is a company that others often point to as something mm-hmm. that they want to replicate or they view as an ideal. And then you have, uh, you know, organizations organizations that are interesting in terms of their approach. So we had PTC as part of a panel uh, recently. Mm -hmm. They've restructured their entire company around kind of notions of pre and post sale and the post sale organization contains a range of functions like sales and product and so on that are reporting into the same individual and all living at the umbrella of customer success. Interesting. In four, which is uh, another company in the tech space, you know, has rewritten a lot of its corporate values around customer success. I think their company mission now is um, focusing on customer success. It's kind of a driving force there. A company like Microsoft um, recently reinstituted a customer success program focused on the top, I think, five to 10% of their customers across a number of different product lines. So that presents some you know, kind of interesting stories there. So, I mean, there are a few that uh, that you know, that can kind of rattle off that are doing interesting things around some of these different areas. But in terms of one single company that is perhaps hitting all of these notes very well, um, it's difficult to say because, again, you know, this is a space that is rapidly evolving and, and changing. I think uh, Dayton Samarj um, from CA Technologies, you know, has a um, an appropriate quote here. He says, uh, "Check back with me in a year, and I figure my organization will look different." You know, so I think that's uh, kind of the approach that I've taken. You know, with this, that it isn't something that um, you know we want to declare a winner at this point in time, or you know, a company that is you know the standard bearer. But you know, really, that there are companies that are making incremental progress on something that I imagine will be evolving probably for as long as we have gigs in this business. Yeah. <laughs> but I think to your point, it's, you know, at some point it may be stopped moving as fast, but it's such an emerging discipline yeah. still that, you know, almost by its nature, it's changing as, as more companies and more industries start up these types of programs. So then for starting up these programs, you mentioned this in some of your examples, but I'm curious to ask the question more specifically is how do you start? Is it identifying your top percentage of clients that are the most loyal and spend the most and trialing what a healthy relationship looks like? What are your suggestions? Well, I would say you should start like you should start any initiative like this. You should have a clear sense of why you're doing it. Um, <laughs> so have a, have a vision and a purpose first. That's step one. Yeah, I would say that's probably <laughs> the, the best place to start. What exactly is the benefit of a customer success program to your client? And um, just as important, what is the benefit of having that program to your business? Those the two things have to be in balance. You know, if the, if the organization is going to invest in the program and sustain that investment over time. After that, I mean, I think you have to have a clear sense of you know how this supports the rest of the business. You know, as you alluded to earlier, the functions that customer success managers take on look like things that other people in the business are already doing. So there may be a natural human inclination to play turf war. So the question you have to answer pretty early on is how this supports as opposed to usurps, you know, the responsibilities of other business leaders around the organization. Once you've established that, you know, then you need to make some determinations on how you're going to deliver 
customer success services to your, your clients. And so that means how do we staff a customer success organization? How are those people aligned to our customers? What sorts of things do we want them doing for our customers and so on? Then you need a set of tools. And that's not just the technology, but that's also data. That's also your processes and your procedures that are going to help you kind of steer those individuals towards the proper actions that you need them to take in order to deliver those success services. And then last, but definitely not least, you need to figure out how you're going to pay for all this. Is this just a cost of the goods sold? Is this something that you want to explicitly charge your clients for? Or is it some combination of those things where some level of the service is provided gratis and the rest of it is paid for through some sort of tiering system? Those are all you know kind of complicated and thorny issues, um, but they are all necessary if you're going to do this in a serious, considered fashion, as opposed to something where you're, you seem to be hopping on to a um, emerging trend. That's interesting. I wouldn't have really thought of it as being a service you get to charge clients for. Yeah. Because so much of the value is in getting them to take out enough of the value of what you sold them that they're going to want to pay for it. And I think of my generalization about this, oh, it's, you know, tech companies and and you've told us it's not just for them, but picture them with their sky high margins and, Mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, zero marginal cost on a lot of their stuff, I mean, or near zero. So like this is just ensuring that you can maintain those fat margins by throwing a few people at it. Maybe this has been the debate Mm -hmm. around this, uh, this, this final point here is customer success a profit center or a cost center. Even if you charge for something, it doesn't make a profit center. It just means that you could just be recouping your cost. Um, And so that's one of the questions that comes up. We had Greg Myers on our panel at CXNYC talking about this topic. What company is he from? Uh, BMC. He talks about the fact that, yes, they do charge for their customer success services, but it's as close to a zero margin business as they can make it. Because the idea is that they're not trying to gouge you you for this. This is not meant to be seen as a maintenance contract by another name. It is meant to be a service that's beneficial to you, but we as an organization, you know, can't simply fund it ourselves out of yeah, pocket. I see. I mean, there's, you know, and there's something to be said for, we're charging you for it because it has value to you. Exactly. I mean, that's like financial advisors if we look right. at all other industries, right? right. That's how right. we view this role. Right, right, right. And it makes sense. Right. And, and it's yeah. interesting you bring that up because some of the analogies, you know, when you when you push them on this question of, mm-hmm. you know, how do you convince someone to pay for something that seems, at least intuitively, like it should be free. Right. Like I purchased something from you. Mm-hmm. You should obviously make me successful in using it. So why am I going to pay something in addition to my my base prices, um, you know, in order to be made successful? And they'll use analogies like, you know, a financial advisor, you'll pay extra or they'll use an insurance analogy, which, you know, sometimes bumps up against the maintenance analogies. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they're careful there, but they use things like that to kind of draw parallels to other points in your life or in your professional life where you are paying for some sort of assistance above and beyond right the core product. Right, they're self-service and then full service. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what you're you're paying for the full service. Exactly. In a way. So when we're talking about the space evolving, and as you can tell, I have this internal struggle of where I think this team lives <laughs> and what they do and what their function is. But so I'm curious, once we see these become more established in organizations, where do you think they live? Is this a separate function with sort of hooks into customer experience and sales? Is it someone who's very tethered to customer experience and even thinking about customer journey and how do we help along the journey? Where is this team in five years or this program? In five years, well, like customer experience, so there'll still be a lot of fragmentation. Yeah, where's customer experience <laughs> in five years? This is, this is a trick question. Right, right. Um, 
you know, so what Forrester has been talking about customer experience since the late 1990s and there still isn't consensus yeah. as to where a customer experience group should live. I don't think that there'll be a lot of consensus on where a, um, a customer success management entity should live or even how it should be associated with the rest of the organization, whether it is an umbrella under which a bunch of functions sit or a you know, kind of a distinct reporting line within a department or some sort of you know, kind of outside group that reports directly into the executive group. I mean, I think ultimately the, the more important question is how much authority they can wield in the organization around the customer experience, particularly in the post-sale. You know, if you think about your RACI, um, you know, it's difficult to affect change if you're strictly responsible, but you're not, you know, wielding any authority. It's hard to wield authority, you know, if you don't have any kind of direct responsibility because it doesn't seem to give a lot of skin in the game. So I think there's going to be a balancing act around how much responsibility and how much authority these guys are given over running that post-sale experience for the customer, how responsible they are for the mapping out of the journey, how responsible they are for coordinating the activities of different departments, and how responsible they are ultimately for owning the quote-unquote relationship with the customer. Are they still fighting turf wars with sales and whoever else feels that they are most responsible for the customer? Or, you know, does that responsibility ultimately roll up to them or is at least openly shared between them and some other entity in a way that allows for them to have a mostly free hand in acting in the customer's best interest? All right. Well, TJ, we look forward to having you back 18 months from now (laughs) for uh, another review of customer success programs when, uh, as, as Dayton put it well, uh, things have changed and uh, it's time to revisit this topic. Listeners, for now, we point you to uh, TJ's report out a couple of weeks ago called How to Build a Customer Success Program. Lots more detail and specific examples to build on the conversation we've just been having. So thank you for uh, joining us, TJ, and we'll talk to you all next week on CXCast. Bye for now. Listeners, if you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at cxcast, one word, at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality.